Welcome to episode 72 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast with Jared Roberts-Smith, the head of sports science at Stoke City. Jared came on the podcast to talk about the current situation at the club with the players in regards to the coronavirus, also building a philosophy and culture like they've done at Stoke. We spoke about the transition from academy to first team for players and also we went deep into the club's weekly structure so it followed on really well from the episode with Paul White who obviously covered their weekly structure in terms of the academy at Stoke but then Jared's come on to talk about the first team weekly structure um, at Stoke as well so the two po- the two episodes worked great together and it was great to have Jared on um, to chat with him about everything that's going on at Stoke so big thanks to him for coming on the episode um, and I hope you enjoy the episode with Jared. Welcome to episode 72 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Jared from Stoke City. Uh, Jared is the head of sports science at Stoke um, Jared, thank you very much for coming on. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity to come on. It's great to have you on, mate. And we're going to try and tie this episode into uh, the previous episode. I can't remember what number it was now, but where Chalky was on, where Paul White was on, discussing all the great work that goes on at Stoke. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to dive into it and get as much information to the guys as possible. So do you want to kick us off, mate? I've just mentioned your current role at Stoke, what do you want to take us back and uh, go through your career so far from your education to where you where you're at current day? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so it sort of all started back for me in uh, 2006. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do when I left school, um, but I knew I didn't want to get a job um, straight away. So I went to college, um, did a sport and exercise science, VTEC there, uh, enjoyed that. And that sort of led me on to university, did three really good years at, um, Brighton, um, met some good people there, uh, like Josh Hook, who's currently at Brighton, heading things up, um, Sam Wilson, who's at Arsenal now. Um, so some really good guys, um, and then finished that. Uh, and then a family friend, Lawrence Bloom, who's at Millwall, um, was looking for, uh, a season-long internship at Charlton Athletic. Um, so I went in with him, had a really good season there. Uh, we got promoted and that was around the time that the Triple P kicked off as well. Um, so there was the necessity for an academy sports science slash first team uh, and I got on really well with the guys there. Chris Powell was the manager at the time and he uh, he pushed for me um, to come in. So I uh, sort of stepped down from the first team a little bit. I uh, went into the 23s. Uh, again, we had a really good season there. And that's where I met Nathan Jones uh, and Paul Hart. Um, so worked with Lawrence for a good three or four years there. He ended up moving on. Uh, he was brilliant for me. Class guy, top top practitioner. Um, but he ended up moving on to uh, Nottingham Forest. I worked through the ranks at at Charlton and when when Lawrence departed that that sort of gave me a, a scope to to head things up there did that for six months and then Nathan had gone on to Brighton got the got the manager's job at um, Luton and at the time I just felt it was sort of uh, a better prospect for me having met with him and, and talked to the guys there it was it was the chance to sort of lead a, an emerging sports science team and uh, a club that under my understanding was going places um we had an amazing two years there. Um, sort of headed things up 
um, there. Built built a department, worked with two two really good guys there who came on as a sports scientist and strength conditioning coach. Um, and yeah, it was really successful. And then that led on to, to where I am now. So back in January 2019, um, got, got the opportunity to move to Stoke and we just felt like it was one we couldn't turn down. Um, and yeah, great. Again, really good team. I've got two two really good lads in Joel Dawson, our sports scientist, and Rob Fox, our strength conditioning coach, uh, as well as Chalky, who heads up the academy, you know, is a top guy and, again, another top practitioner. So we've got a really good good department here. Um, and then in line with that, I've, I've, I've done my... been working on my MSc and uh, at St Mary's in strength conditioning and then just topping it up with bits and pieces like little certifications and qualifications along the way, which I think is integral, which probably touch on a little bit later, but... Yeah, that's, that's pretty much me. No, that's awesome, mate. And yeah, we'll definitely touch on um, the work that Chalky does at the club and how that sort of integrates with the work you do. I think that'll be really good to sort of expand on his episode. But just as we're recording this, with the 24th of March, we're going through the coronavirus and it's something that obviously we've touched on in previous episodes, but and I don't want to I don't want to fill the podcast with just about what clubs are doing at this time because there's so much of a good work that goes on but I think it would only be right just to touch on it a little bit in terms of your current situation your current situation as a coach but then your current situation in regards to what the players are doing and what the what the club's doing so do you want to just fill us in on, on where you're at currently yeah for sure um, so we briefly spoke spoke about it a minute ago before we came on but for me, there's there's a lot of unknown out there. Um, I don't think anyone's sort of encountered anything like this, um, and that that goes across the board from from a practitioner, a coach, to probably the clubs and then the governing bodies. So, as we've seen, it's constantly adapting. Uh, we're obviously, for me, and and I guess Stoke City, the the priority is the players' health. Uh, for me, it's gone a little bit above football now, unfortunately, and. We have to follow those guidelines, those self-isolation guidelines and, and working and staying at home. Um, and, and obviously the players' health and safety and their family's health and safety is key. So we have to respect that. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think like for me, the the league's not really giving you any guidance on it and, and you can understand why, but that creates a lot of um, sort of unknown and and we have to work with that you know we have to be flexible things are constantly adapting constantly changing um but just with regards to where we are at the moment um players are working from home uh so we've set them remote remote training programs uh, the club have been great and they've sort of backed us um in, in making sure that we, we we've got the right stuff for the lads so we work with stat sports and we use the the apex pro uh, monitoring system when we're normally in training um, so the club have facilitated us for, to get the, the Apex Athlete package um, and we've sent that all out to the lads individually um, and had to come in and pick it up so we're, we're making sure we maintain the health and safety and all the non-contact stuff so we sent that to the houses um, and then that, that's just given us a really good platform to, to monitor and track what they're doing so they've synced the, the, the pads with their, with their phones or their iPads they go out, they do their session that we've set them um, through WhatsApp uh, is, is our main point of contact, really. Um, so they go out, complete that. Uh, a lot of them are doing it in different ways, pitch runs, cross-country running, biking, stuff like that. 
and we we've set different things for for the different um, sort of positions where they're at in terms of the season. As AJ spoke about on your last podcast, um, so we're working with that. And and what I like about using that is we've got continuity in terms of the metrics that we're tracking. So the stuff that we set in them and they're using on that unit at home. Um, it gives us all the same metrics that we would have as if we were in training. So total distance, high speed running, um, all the metabolic loading stuff, which which for me gives a really good crossover. Um, and we can see that work and we can see what they're completing. We've, we've spat out um, different different reports for the coaches and the players, uh, as well as us as a sports science department. So I think that's where we're at at the moment, really. We've done other stuff like nutrition packs, um, nutrition guidelines making sure that their again priority is about immune function and making sure that they're boosting that via their nutrition but then also management of some of their body composition stuff um, just like you would do in the off season really um, but it is a little bit grey it's a little bit out there at the moment so we've got to work with that the players have got to work with us and understand it a little bit as well as the coaches and we, we, we've just got to go with it at the moment so that's, that's where we are at really yeah, it's a really tough period, isn't it? And the one, obviously, we touched on with the lads in, in episode 68 where we covered, when we delved into the coronavirus and the sort of effect it's had on clubs. And it is just the uncertainty, isn't it? That's the real test at the moment that we don't know when games are going to be. Um, we're, we're trying to prepare players with, well, no equipment now. Now we've gone into the official lockdown, isn't it? And you're trying to then put them into a real high-performance environment, which like we all know that pretty much isn't going to happen overnight. So we need a bit of time. We need a bit of structure. And um, yeah, like we said off air, it's, it's the time when we need someone to take responsibility. But at the same time, a lot of it is still unknown for a lot of the decision makers as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think you have to have that understanding as, as frustrating as it is with regards to football, professional sport and and what it's created about our roles and, and sort of that unknown but you have to respect that there is a major health crisis going on at the moment and that pro- that is the key, that is the priority. And as part of that, probably the governing bodies don't know what's going on because the government don't fully know and it's, it's just creating creating a lot of up-in-the-air stuff. And you just got to hope that over the next few weeks, people follow the guidelines and it settles down a little bit. And then for me, like off the back of that, that will create um, the opportunity for some more stringent and some more reliable stuff that isn't going to ch- be constantly changing and adapting. And then once those dates come out or that plan or that structure is in place, then that gives us a little bit more guidance to work off of. And hopefully then we can put everything into plan, everything into action. Um, but for me, like we've, we've got to be prepared and, and the players have for that, that, that scenario and then off the back of that like what's going to happen next season you know because that that creates a load more problems and a load more unknown situations in terms of what, how the league's going to be formatted and will there be a pre-season will there be a proper off-season and, and like we said like it just it just affects everything really so a bit crazy but you got to roll the punches and, and hopefully um, the work that we're doing at the moment will benefit the lads either way and once there's that little bit more clarity, we, we can roll with it, you know. So, yeah, I think that that's the key, isn't it? And as a, it's obviously a time that as practitioners, you're truly tested um, in terms of being able to adapt and being flexible with your approach. And 
and constantly finding that balance point, isn't it? But yeah, hopefully by the time this podcast drops, we're a little bit clearer on it. I don't know whether we will be or not, but hopefully we are. Yeah. But one yeah. thing I wanted to dive in with you, Jared, is, and again, going sort of extending off Chalky's episode, is culture, the culture at the club in terms of Stoke. And you can obviously relate this to previous clubs as well, but I see it as a, it's very strong at Stoke. And I think you can see that when you go into the club, but also looking from the outside. And then as soon as you start speaking to you guys, there's there's a very strong culture. So what? Why do you think that is? And how do you, how does it work at the club? How how is that stru- How is that culture so strong? Yeah, I think I think there is a strong culture, and and I'm still relatively new to it. You know, I, I've been there for sort of eighteen months, and Chalky's been there for a long long time, coming up to seven eight years, I think. And then you've got Joel and Foxy that I work with. Joel's a long term fan, and Foxy's moved up a good eight, nine years ago, you know, so they've sort of been my go-to guys on it and, and reference points to, to all those things. So I've learned a lot from them in terms of the, the structure of the club and, and what it makes up. But like you say, I, I think coming in, and that, that was sort of like the, the appealability of it really was that it's such a strong club, it's such a strong fan base. Um, it's history, speaks for itself, it's massive. Um and then obviously you walk in, you've got great facilities, you've got a, a good squad, a good playing squad, good good staffing around it. So for me, it gives you the platform to be really successful. Um, but I think with regards to culture and and sort of philosophy, that's that's been changed. It's certainly changed for me in the 18 months that I've been there because we've, we've had two managers now. Um, and then off the back of that, which obviously brings changes in, in structure, in philosophy, playing style, all those things. But prior to me being there, there was, again, three managers in the space of 12 to 18 months, I think. So a lot of change there. And again, speaking speaking with those guys, they've learned a lot through those changes. And I think there was a, there was a period of stability at the club where I think maybe that, that playing style under, under Tony Pulis was, was notorious in the Premier League in terms of directness and then you sort of had Hughes who, who came in and changed that a little bit with some of the foreign players that came in. And then you've had Lambert and, and Raul have come in during tough periods for the club, you know. So I think there is a, there is a strong philosophy for, for sure in terms of the, the sort of working class background of the club and, and the hard work and the determination that the, the fans uh, sort of create on a match day and then how that rubs off with with the great owners that are there and the people that are uh, deep rooted within the club and, and what that expects so I think there there is that but then for me sort of like that philosophy changes with the managers that is there and, and, and the teams that you work in um, maybe just a little bit easier for me to talk about sort of like our philosophy or, or my philosophy and and I've come in and I've tried to put my own stamp on it. Um, obviously, Chalky's there and he runs the academy and he's a great guy and uh, like his work speaks for itself, you know. So I don't, I don't really, haven't really needed to do too much with him in, in terms of, of of the way that he works. I think maybe the one thing that we are looking to do more recently now that I've been there for a period of time is sort of uh, make sure that there's this continuity and there's structure from the first team sort of falls down into 
into the academy and the good guys that work there. So we're we're currently working on bringing that a lot closer. So if a player does progress up to the first team or uh, a 23 that trains with us regularly, regresses back down to the 23s, things sort of, of roll and flow a little bit more. I think that happens maybe informally at the moment, but sort of having a formal structure scheme of work where if that happens, they pretty know pretty much know exactly where they are and, and how that falls. And we're sort of basing that at the moment off off um, some good stuff that was was spoke about at the UKSA conference with how England set up and, and how Ben Rose and Blatt's put that sort of structure in place. Um, so we're working off like sort of a SCFC acronym of uh, like speed, control, um, force and conditioning and then certain elements make up those those components so for example uh, a speed would incorporate uh, a 20 meter acceleration um, probably some hamstring testing on, on the Nord board and then off the back of that sort of gives us a structure for that work so we know exactly where that player is and that goes across squads because we use the same testing and monitoring structures so whether they're with us or whether they're with 23s there's there's a there's a plan there's a there's a scheme of work for improving that and, and progressing them on for where, from where they are at the moment and we're sort of working on that at the moment. Um, like I say, for me, a big thing is, is about continuity and I've been at the club for 18 months now. Got my teeth stuck in with the first team and now that I've sort of been there for that period, been been there during that transition of manager, um, that's allowed me to maybe look at how we do things across the club a little bit better and how we can bring our schemes of work and our structures and, and all of that as close as possible. Um, like I say, so it's, it's seamless either way, whether it's a progression or regression, the players are getting the best work that they can from, and, and we as a staff are, uh, are really stringent and uh, we know what, what each department's doing really, whether it's first team or academy. So that's, that's sort of a, a work in progress at the moment and I'll, hopefully I can keep you guys filled in with how that progresses and I'm sure you'll ask me at the end but my contact details will be out there and if anyone wants to get in touch with that sort of stuff then more than happy to, to send it across or show them and discuss it and refine it and make it even better you know I think it's interesting isn't it because when a lot of people especially stepping into like a first team role you're going with the attention, intention of obviously putting your stamp on that programme but then with the also the intention of taking it throughout the club and getting to the academy level and making sure that that is that transition is as seamless as possible but unfortunately a lot of people don't the way that the jobs work now some people might not even get to the point of being able to do that will might they in terms of like changes at clubs and things like that so it's really interesting to hear like the sort of mindset that you're taking in terms of getting things embedded with the first team and then working its way down and making that as smooth as possible so with that, like obviously, relationships, and we touch on this time and time again, they, they're key, aren't they, in terms of staff members? Because if there's breakdowns with those relationships, then things aren't going to be smooth. But at, at previous clubs, you don't need to touch on exactly the clubs or exactly the practitioners. Have you seen this done really well and really poorly? And, and what's your experience of this so far? Yeah, so like when, when you ask me about stuff like this, I sort of jotted down a few points with regards to like my own personal philosophy. Um, and it's not, there's obviously crossover and, and things like that. But for me, like probably top, top of the chart is, is 
your like sort of in, interpersonal, interpersonal relationships and and how how you work with people and for me that's probably probably a fundamental because like you say if if you can't build those relationships with the coaches or the players or the staff that you're working with in, in terms of background staff and and for me it go that that's such a wide spectrum so like I wrote down you've got obviously the sports science staff that you look after and, and you manage and you work with but then you've got medical you've got groundsmen you've got chefs and they're all important to to what you do um, obviously you've got the coaches which are massive because if you don't have a good relationship with them a lot of your work isn't going to get put into place and then obviously your players as well and if they don't enjoy your work or like you as a person then you're not going to get the best out of them and, and then your, your job's going to be compromised by that so like you say that, that's absolutely massive for me um, we've got a really good uh, sports psychologist at the club uh, called Joe Dixon at Stoke now and I've, I've personally done a lot of work with him myself in terms of sort of my my coaching um, how, how I get things across how I manage certain situations and my day-to-day frustrations and and things like that and and how I tackle them and he's been really useful for me um but yeah like when I was at Cholton like I said I worked with with a great department I had Lawrence who was sort of like my guru my go-to guy um and he gave me the best schooling that I could imagine really um and he's one of my best friends to this day like um we had we had Josh Cornby there and who's a um Charlton now heading things up. So he, he's done what I did and worked his way through the ranks. Really good guy, great practitioner. So we had a solid department there. And then we had, again, the people that we brought through there. We had uh, Chris McConnell, who's at Wimbledon now, heading things up. So Lawrence done a great job in sort of in guiding us and, and structuring our pathways. And then I obviously took over the academy there. I was head of academy, sports science and medicine for... 18 months prior to getting the first team and that that gave me a real good scope and, and me and Lawrence worked closely in terms of building that relationship and putting things in place um, to make sure that progression regression was seamless obviously that since changed and, and we're refining that and we're working on that um, obviously with Chalky at the moment and making sure that we're getting good things in place but yeah similar at Luton again it was really important to make sure that those relationships going into a new club and, and that was that was part of why I wanted to go there because it was a test um, going to another club and having to build those relationships and develop those my skills to, to refine and, and, and build relationships with people that had, again had been there for a long time and maybe were not stuck in their ways but potentially resistant to a young 26 year old at the time coming in and wanting to change a lot of things but that tested me and, and made me better in as a practitioner um, away from sports science. It developed my personal skills, my professional skills, made me a better person as well as, as a practitioner, you know? So I think for sure that those, those things are really important. And I've probably put that top of the chart in terms of a philosophy and a culture um, and, and making sure that fundamentally you're a good person and people enjoy working with you. And then for me, that makes everything easier off the back of it. Just wanted to give you a couple of community updates on our online community. So we've now added two brand new webinars to follow on from Tony Tompos's webinar on hamstring rehabilitation in professional football. We've also added a brand new webinar from 
David Johnson, the Academy Sports Scientist down at Bournemouth, um, which is called Growth and Maturation in Youth Football. So two super webinars now available on the video library on our online community to go with the other webinars that are already available on the community as well as all the network meeting presentations as well. So loads of content being added to the community um, every month. You can go and join the community now. You can go over to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up there. It gives you a free month and it is only £4.99 after that. And there's loads of content for you to get through, especially in this period where you might have a little bit more time. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign up today. Enjoy the rest of the episode with Jared. Yeah, I'm glad you brought uh, Joe up as well because he's actually um, coming on the podcast too. So it'd be great to touch in with the work that he does with you guys because I know Chalky touched on the work that he does. So it'd be good to del- delve in from his point of view as well because I think in terms of psychology, we spoke about it a little bit previously on episodes, but to get a specialist on and to dive into both the psychology of a coach but then also with the player and how that interacts will be will be great. Um so yeah, I think I think that's key, and I think you've talked about their interpersonal relationships, but also getting out of your comfort zone because there's a lot of people that will be in roles right now that probably know that they should test themselves by stepping out into another environment, environment and another club in a different part of the country or whatever, or a different country, and that aren't doing it because yeah. it's nice and safe and it's comfortable, isn't it? So you've obviously done that and stepped out and tested yourself. Yeah, of course. Like, like you say, I think there probably are a lot of people like that, and at times I've I've been, I've I've challenged that and I've questioned that, but they come back with valid excuses or, or valid reasons in terms of their family situation or or things like that, which I think you have to be understanding of. But just for me personally, it's it's been it's been a great experience and a great pathway so far because obviously I've worked with three great clubs, three, three clubs are in the championship at the moment and like to think that the work that you've done there um, has been long-standing and you sort of left your legacy. Um, but it's, it's, been, it's been a great challenge and like you say, even the personal stuff, moving, moving away from home and getting different life experiences and, and living in different areas of the country is for sure one of the good things. But, and it, that, that enhances relationships. It, it builds, it, it makes common ground for discussion points just just again like as a human being and, and break those barriers down and then as part of that it, it helps you it helps you get your work across um it helps you do your day-to-day stuff um and make sure that your work is tip-top you know so I, I can only speak for myself but it's been it's been a massive massive learning curve massive journey and I've, I've enjoyed it so much so far and hopefully I'm at Stoke for for a good period of time and I can, I can do my good work here and, and see where that takes me, you know. That's, that's, that's all you can do. That's what I did at the other clubs and, and the journey sort of unfolds in front of you, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think it'd be great to take it on to um, your, obviously it's not something that we're running right now, but in terms of your, your day-to-day model, your use of tactical periodization at the club um, and how the sort of week tends to look normally, obviously not right now. Um, so do you want to, delve into that and just give us some information on how that looks and how you guys work with that yeah of course um, so again it's been it's been challenging for me recently because obviously I worked with Nathan at Luton and at Stoke for, for a good 
uh, three years and I worked with him at Charlton and, and we, we had a pretty set routine and we were pretty successful with it. Uh, maybe not towards the back end, but we feel that that didn't have much to do with the training week. It was maybe some other things and, and we, we didn't really change too much from that sense because we felt like that wasn't the issue, like I said. But again, the, the, the new guys have come in. Obviously, Michael O'Neill was a manager, got Billy McKinley as as uh, the assistant manager and then obviously worked really closely with Rory Delap as first team coach. So um, since they've come in, little bits and pieces have changed. But in terms of, it sort of opened my eyes up as well because I think I was pretty rigid and pretty structured with what I was doing before. And, and like I said, I thought it worked. Uh, I think we were getting good performance uh, gains and adaptations, but and also like our robustness and availability levels are really good. Um, so I don't think it's worked, but it has given me scope to change bits and pieces. Um, but just just to talk you through sort of our our normal day to day week um, and how that looks from both like sort of a gym and a pitch perspective. Um, so like we'd obviously we played a game Saturday, um, and this, this is a normal sort of um, Saturday to Saturday week, and obviously you can chop and change things when it when it comes to Tuesday Wednesday games in terms of switching your match day plus and minus stuff. Um, I'll just go through like a normal Saturday, Saturday. It's probably the most straightforward thing. Um, you play Saturday, Sunday. We're typically off um, unless we have like a, a midweek game at home. Uh, if, if we're away, just because of the travelling and stuff like that, we tend to give them off so they can spend it with their families and recover at home. And we've, we've done stuff like set out guidelines and put together recovery menus with the stuff that they should be doing away from the building. But that's... That's all standard education and, and uh, upskilling the players in terms of like 24-hour athlete stuff, bits and pieces like that. But when they're back in on a Monday, um, the starters, uh, they'll always have like a lighter day. Um, so if we've got a midweeker, they'll stay in. But typically on a Saturday, Saturday, they'll come out and they'll do like a real uh, light like sort of pitch session we split the warm up as well so there's different content within the warm up for the non-starters and the starters um, so we'll look to give like the non-starters a speed exposure within that period and just sort of utilise that window of opportunity to get working um, and that's the same across the board for the whole day really so the, the starters will maybe come out a little bit later they'll do some prep work in the gym that's focused around recovery um, spend a bit of time with the physios as well um, whereas the non-starters they'll get stuck into some good gym work. We've got a syllabus of work that we, we complete across the course of a week. And that, again, that's part of maybe my philosophy, which we didn't touch on a minute a minute ago, but um, we've got a syllabus of work that we complete. Um, and that month, it starts on that Monday with the non-starters so that, we again, we're using that opportunity to get work into them, which I think personally is, is vital because if, like, not, I'm sure not many people do it anymore, but if you if you treat all the players are saying when there's different stimulus getting into them, different training load, then I think it, you, you come, you come, it scuppers you a little bit later down the season when, when people come in that haven't been involved and things like that. So, um, yeah, that, that follows the day, the theme of the day on a Monday and then conditioning wise, we'll get some good work into them. Uh, we, we, we go for some volume stuff, stuff that they don't typically get within, uh, across because they've obviously missed a Saturday um, so we'll get that work into them in training and give them a real good hit on that day but obviously Tuesday is normally our main conditioning day with the whole squad so we have to be mindful of that and we try and work them in 
different parameters and different schemes of work to, to what they're going to go into a Tuesday so you don't get that training monotony and and things like that. And then we'll, we'll do some good work with them in the gym after, typically focusing around like upper body and trunk stuff. Um, and then, like I said, Tuesday, our main conditioning day, so right from the off, um, we have some conditioning focus work within, within the gym, typically sort of speed stuff, um, because we then go into the warm up out on the pitch um, and we hit lads with uh, like a speed exposure. Um, so we aim for like four to five speed exposures within the warm up and expose them to that, to that max velocity element of the program, um, a bit of hamstring conditioning, a bit of speed development work. Um, and we've had some really good results off that. We've, we've increased um, all, pretty much all of the lads' speed. Um, I think we've only had. touch wood so I think that's that's been really fruitful um, and then we typically on that day we keep we keep things smaller we keep it intensive um, so we're aiming for like small small possession stuff uh, small sided games um, obviously sometimes the, the management team want to put in some tactical stimulus or element for that day um, but we just try and control uh, the intensive elements um, so we have like a monthly periodization plan that we try and stick to. Again, that in the championship that gets scuppered by midweek fixtures, and we have to be fairly flexible with that because I don't know a, a three-game week might be really tough on the lads, and that will throw out the the periodization plan because we can't get that work into them. So, like I say, we have to be flexible, and, and that's constantly adapting and changing. But yeah, we 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 try and keep it smaller um, on a a Tuesday, and then. Because we we ch- we see it as the hardest day of the week, um, we also chuck in like a high speed running element. Um, so we, we condition the lads on that. Obviously, there's a big demand for that come match day. So we try and get that within a training week. And then, like I said, in the championship, you're getting a lot of uh, midweek stuff. So we find that it's worked quite well in terms of the acute chronic stuff as well. Because if they if they've got a midweeker and um, they're doing say a thousand meters high speed running, if we're not getting that in the following week it will throw the acute chronic stuff out um, quite a lot as well so we found that that's quite nice um, and we've had good results with that chucking in sort of like a MAS style high speed running drill um, at the end for pretty much everyone maybe consideration for two or three lads that are constantly getting hits from games and stuff like that so again you have to be adaptable and flexible um, and then that's sort of our main, main day in the gym as well so we try and get everything on that one day and, and sort of condense that accumulated fatigue and that's our real tough conditioning day within the training week so we'll, we'll give the lads a, a real good hit in the gym um, and that's that's normally focused around sort of like a bilateral unilateral and posterior chain element um, which again found really good results with and, and we're quite stringent with that and it's, it's worked well and again I, that's something that I've probably bought in and Foxy's RSNC really bought into that and driven that and sort of made it made it his own and, and, and driven that and I know that like you said sort of left that at Luton with Elliot the SNC there he, he still follows that model so it, it's been successful um, no I'm rambling on a little bit but trying to get everything in there from, from the course of the week um, Wednesday's typically our day off so we use that as a recovery day obviously we have a good hit um on the Tuesday so we find that having that day off and letting the lads recover um, getting in what they need away from the building as well spending time with the family and following those recovery guidelines that we set uh, and then that sort of brings you on to a Thursday so that's again probably I, I think 
it's good to go down the route of another conditioning day. I know, I know maybe some people don't think that and maybe they're getting too much into a week, but I find that if you can get that sort of another, the other conditioning stimulus in and, and we work typically more extensive stuff on a Thursday. Um, so again, there's different set themes for the day. So it's sort of more of our power day, uh, our explosive, explosive stuff like pre and within the, uh, the warm up, so we do a lot of monitoring on this day as well. We use the gym aware um, and the force plays, the force decks, to monitor all the lads' jump stuff. Um, that helps with some readiness to train stuff. So we do a daily questionnaire, and the jump stuff within pre-training sort of falls in nicely with that. So before we go out to training, we've got a good idea of where the lads are at and how that Tuesday's affected them and how they're feeling from that week. So and and also it serves as like sort of a longitudinal sort of performance slash monitoring um, element as well, uh, which which we find pretty nice and we've had some good results off again. Um, always look to sort of hit a change of direction element within the warm-up, so like a, a multi-directional speed. Again, they're getting that element um, controlled. Uh, I typically tend to stay away from ball work. Like they get a lot of that within the session and... The coaches that I've worked with over the last couple of years have enjoyed that because it doesn't mean I'm using 15 minutes to do a ball drill that they're then, they're then going to go into in the session and probably replicate very similar. They, they can get straight in and focus on on sort of getting multidisciplinary outcomes out of the training, so tactical, physical, technical, etc. So I've sort of used the, the warm-ups the 15, 20 minute window for the warm-ups is real, real physical windows and getting sort of elements of working across the course of a week. And again, we found that performance wise and robustness. So that's, that's really helped. Um, yeah. And then, and then the session itself is more extensive, more tactical focus, more large sided possessions games with that, with those, like I said, tactical elements getting closer to the game on the Saturday. Um, and then we split sort of a, a Thursday quite nicely because we, with the sort of management team and the sort of uh, way that I've, I've fortunately got my, myself in in terms of position, sort of by that match day minus two Thursday, I sort of know where the team's at and, and, and what it's starting to look up and, and shape like. So we aim to get sort of like the development lads and the lads that probably aren't going to, aren't going to play. Sometimes you, you run the gauntlet with that and it has come back to bite you in the arse at times, but as a whole, it works quite nicely. You get those lads that aren't starting and they get another hit in the gym, um, which again, we found to be really fruitful and just another window of opportunity to get that work in. And again, that's where your sort of interpersonal relationships come in with the lads because some of them are frustrated or disappointed, but you you shape it so that they understand that it's for their benefit, for their for their development. Um, and, and we've had some senior lads uh, who have been quite resistant in the first place come round to it and, and buy into it and they feel better and then when they've gone into the team they can see those benefits and, and it sort of drives itself after that you know so um, that's worked quite nicely um, and then Friday sort of for me um, that's a day where our, our work's done for the week really we, we taper everything really down um, we have like, like I say we have a good relationship with coaches so they understand the necessity to to make that session as short and sharp as possible, get the primer in and um, warm-up wise, I focus on some reactives, get the lads really sharp, probably the, the set the warm-up of the week that they enjoy. You get that competitive element in 
Um, and again, it's gone down well. Um, and they understand that come that Friday, it's a little bit more fun. It's a little bit more bubbly. Um, it's not going to be as hard, which they, which they probably enjoy. And that's probably the reason that they're buzzing off it as much as anything. Um, and then the session, yeah, like is light. Um, we typically go into something short and sharp, like a rondo or a little uh, possession box. And again, get the lads bright and bubbly, get them in the mood for the game the following day. And then normally that follows up with some tactical reinforcement or some walkthrough shape or set pieces, stuff like that. Again, very, very typical of what other people are doing. Um, and then again, for me, just like I said, um, you run in the gauntlet a little bit, but I, I found it as a really good opportunity. We take the non-starters off typically and we do we do a good bit of work with them. Um, some small-sided game variations, a little possessions. Um, and instead of standing around watching the tactical or going in and, and not doing something that's going to benefit them, they get that, that little hit. It's only 5, 10, 15 minutes, but... They get some accelerations and decelerations, sharp change of direction. Uh, they, get, they get it all with the ball, which they enjoy. Um, and again, typically in the beginning, it was a bit of resistance to it and they didn't they didn't see the point of it or were frustrated, but we sort of educated them on that. And now, now, now they come over and they work hard and they understand that that 15 minutes is their benefit because of what they're missing out on the, on the Saturday. So um, for me, like... It's about it's about the non-starters as much as it is the starters because, like I said, um, there, there will be due to the nature of the championship season, there will be an expectation for for them to step up at some point, and it's there it's there and their prerogative and ours as well that they take that opportunity and uh, and fill that gap and go on to 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 fulfil that. You know, and again, I can give some good examples like. Um, when I was at Luton, we had Jack Stacey, who now plays for Bournemouth. Um, he came in at the time James Justin was injured. Uh, he plays for Leicester now. Um, stepped up. He'd been doing all that extra work. Jack Jack held his place down in the squad. JJ couldn't get in. Um, he did all the work. He understood the benefit of it. Worked really hard. Um, Jack was performing um, both in, in all parameters and, and, and was doing really well. And then the left back got injured uh, Luton and JJ went in there on the opposite side. So you had two right backs within the team both who were performing, both who did the work seamlessly and no complaints, got on with that work and and they understood the, the benefits of doing that work around it and, and making sure that when they got their opportunity to step up that they took it and were in a real good place to do so. So for me, it's about the starters as much it is, as it is the non-starters and making sure that your whole squad is in is in a good place and getting that work in. Um, and then again, Saturday pretty straightforward looks after itself um, but again uh, I, I keep banging on about windows of opportunity it's making sure that post game you're getting that working with with your non with your non-starters and we introduce like three blocks of running um, which sort of they have a volume block a high speed block and sort of like a sprint block um, and, and again they've bought into that they understand the benefits of it the structure now they're used to that and then again we've introduced some strength work so just a little, just a little hit after the game. Uh, bilateral, unilateral, posterior chain. So the lads now know what they're doing. Whether they've been doing that for a long time, or they've come out of the team for for whatever reason, injury or tactical, or just fell out of favour a little bit. And, and pretty much the whole squad are in up to up to speed with that. So we, I think we've, we've we've put together sort of a fairly rigorous week where they're getting 
a lot of different work across a number of parameters and for me it's worked it's worked quite well over the sort of eight nine years that that's been developed and it's continuously adapting continuously developing and again like I say working with good people and again some of the stuff from my philosophy in terms of uh, constant learning uh, listening to podcasts such as this looking at stuff on Instagram Twitter doing your qualifications and upskilling yourself it's always going to adapt and change but that's sort of, of where we're at in terms of a day-to-day training week I know it's been quite long but just wanted to give you as much detail as possible really no I think that's been great to be fair mate and it addresses you, you've really tied in a sort of discussion that we bring up quite a lot in our network meetings which is managing the individual within a team environment and obviously addressing the non-starters is a big part of that and and you get the the benefits of it longer term, like you just mentioned with the the lads at Luton. So no, I think that was awesome to to talk through all that and the detail there was great. And obviously all the rationales. I hope people can take stuff away. And it's it's very similar to to what we spoke about with Paul, but obviously on another level, the academy and the first team. So it's really good to get a full picture of everything that's going on at the club and and the reasons behind it. I also wanted to ask you, like you just mentioned there about places you, you're looking at to develop as a, as for yourself as a, as a practitioner. So you're looking at podcasts, you're looking at um, different areas like that. Is it, where would you point people to? Where are the, the sort of places you're going like specifically? Yeah, for me, um, and again, like I said, it's, it's a big part of my philosophy is I don't think you can get stagnant in this business because it's so continuously moving forward. Like I look back to where... Um, I was, say, my first day when I walked into Charlton with Lawrence. We, we went, walked into the gym and I think there was probably two electric electric old school gym bikes. You had um, probably two or three easy barbells where the lads were doing bicep curls. There was a TV on the wall with Good Morning on. Um, and then you fast forward sort of eight, nine years and, and how, how much everything's professionalised and how there's so many... Uh, good practitioners working out there I think I don't think you can be standstill I don't think you can be stagnant and uh, short-minded as this is working so I'm going to stick with it Uh, I think you have to be constantly developing constantly upskilling yourself Uh, and I think that that sort of like 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 I go on to to mention in terms of like your personal your personal attributes and and how important they are to the people you work with and, and driving standards um, I think you have to be innovative in terms of your learning techniques and looking constantly looking at things and bringing new ideas. To t- and they might, might not always be good ideas, but I'm lucky to, enough to work with two other, three other, four other good practitioners that we, we sit down, we discuss things, we critique it, we critically analyse it, stuff that we've learned through through our, through our journey and, and those skills and how they work. And I think just discussing talking with good people around the business, a lot of people that have been on this podcast, yourself, um, is key, you know. But in terms of looking at stuff for, for, for CPD, I think my master's was eye-opening um, because uni was great on my, on my undergrad, but it was, hard to, it was hard to sort of apply stuff. Like you were doing stuff in a lab and you were just thinking, I'm not sure how this is going to really affect me like day to day unless I really want to go down that physiology route which doesn't tend to happen loads in football maybe when you're working at the top top and you have access uh, an unlimited resource 
funds pot and you can really go down that avenue by getting consultant people in and stuff like that but typically you don't you don't get that um at the levels that I've worked at hopefully I'll get there one day but um my master's was brilliant for that so I just because I was working and I was doing it distance learning I just applied everything so all of my essays were targeted at something which helped helped me learn and off the back of that you do loads of reading and and looking at journals and that was brilliant um just little qualifications that I've done little certifications so like I've just I've just booked on to the Exos performance specialist one um during this time to try and keep me busy um so I'm not getting too stagnant with with the lack of contact with uh with the lads and the staff at work um so that'll be a great great little tool to learn from and Again, you probably cover a lot of things through your experiences, but just if you pick up one, two, or one or two things, then it, it adds to you as a practitioner. Um, but I like the looks of like the the Altius one as well. Um, out in America, you, again, I know I know some guys that have been over there and they speak really high of it, highly of it. So looking at that, um, just like UKSCA workshops, again, I think there's been a boom over the last couple of years in terms of. Uh, conferences, workshops, network meetings. Uh, I think they've really taken off, probably due to due to the likes of you guys who drive that and, and give that platform to to go and meet and discuss and look at the topical issues, which which I think is great. Um, but then, yeah, probably probably one of the main ones is, and I, again, you have to be careful. Again, skills that I learned on my masters in terms of critiquing what that information is and and how and where it's come from. But things I heavily use. Twitter, uh, Instagram to look at what good people are doing out there. Um, some some people not doing some good stuff in my opinion, but again, that's where that's where your expertise as a, as a practitioner and professional um, come in, and, and you break things down. You look at things, and like I said, you go and discuss those with, with good people, and and you find a way, you know. So they they'd probably be my main pillars of of development. So sort of your 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 real qualifications in terms of MSc. Hopefully, over the next few years, I'll go and look at maybe doing a PhD when things settle down a little bit of work. But um, the certifications such as Exos, uh, UKSCA, uh, NSCA, stuff like that, and then just constantly being busy um, on 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 Twitter, on on Instagram. Like one one of my, I get ribbed for it at work, and a few of my colleagues will probably batter me for saying it. But I always use my strap lines: "Busy is better." because um, you're constantly learning, constantly developing. So uh, I use that quite a lot and I'm always on the go, you know. No, it's good. It is good to be uh it's good to be busy, isn't it? And be and to use your time wisely because yeah. there's plenty of information out there, isn't it? It's just a case of searching through a lot of the nonsense and finding the good stuff. But mate, yeah, I think absolutely. that's been that's been class in terms of, like I said, tying it in with Chalky's episode, but the work that you're doing there, um at the club I know is quality so it was great to catch up with you and chat with you you just mentioned there about um, Twitter is that the best place for people to reach out or is there somewhere else if they've got questions about uh, probably my LinkedIn is probably the best one um, so if you just just search my name on LinkedIn that's probably that's probably where I go to the most I, I just use the other bits and pieces for scrolling but um, in terms of being contactable um that, that's probably the best and then my my email address uh i've got two so i've got a personal one which is jared j-a-r-e-d-r-s-3-2 at hotmail.co.uk 
And then my work ones, Jared uh, dot Roberts hyphen Smith at stokecityfc.com. So either LinkedIn or my emails um, are pro- probably probably the most accessible. Class, mate. Well, really appreciate you coming on. And uh, hopefully by the time this goes out in, in the, like next week, things might hopefully be a bit clearer for you in yeah. the schedules and things like that. I'm not sure whether I'm promising something that's not going to happen quite as yet, but fingers crossed, eh? And uh, when the season does get back up and running, I wish you all the best for the rest of the season, mate. No, I appreciate it. Hopefully, like you say, it settles down over the next few weeks and we can get back stuck into it and make sure that we finish this season strong and see where next year takes us with, with everything that's going to go on, you know, but looking forward to it. Top, man. Well, thanks a lot for coming on and we'll catch up soon. No, brilliant. appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Ben. Cheers, Jared. Big thanks to Jared for coming on. Like I said at the start of the episode, I think it was a great follow-up to the episode with Paul White who covered everything that's going on at Stoke in regards to the academy. Jared obviously looks after the first team, so it was great to get his perspective as well. I think some of my biggest takeaways where we where we use the um, SCFC acronym um, of speed, control, force, conditioning. So a really good way of looking at things and making sure we're ticking all boxes. Where he talks about no ball, no balls being used in the warm up, which gives coaches more flexibility within the session. So that was quite an interesting one because I think there's a lot of coaches and clubs out there that coaches will want balls to be used in the warm-up um, to give players more exposure. Uh, but obviously, the Jarrah's looking at it a slightly different way in that it does give the coach more flexibility once they go into the session. You're not going to re- be repeating any drills or anything like that. So that was a key takeaway for me. And then also his recommended learning or, or, or recommended um, CPD in terms of Exos and Altis, so the work he's looking to do and has done um sort of to to in, improve himself as a practitioner so I think that was some there were some great tips from Jared and thank you very much to him for coming on and sharing everything he shared in the episode I think there was some great detail in there you can go and follow Jared on Twitter he's at jazz j-a-z and then eight nine underscore so go and give him a follow um, and keep up to date with everything he's got going on Thank you for listening. Um, we're keeping with these two two shows per week at the moment um, in this period where you might have a little bit more time. So I hope you're enjoying them. Please reach out. Let us know what you think. We've got two more brand new shows next week. Um, some really top guests, top episodes coming up. So I hope you enjoy all the content that we're putting out. Um, please do us a massive favour. If you've not done so already, head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a short comment. It means the world to me. And then also just please give the show a share. So share it out on Twitter, Instagram, send it out to people on WhatsApp or wherever you're going to share the show. But please share it far and wide. I would really appreciate it. But thank you again for listening and we'll speak to you again next week.